0: And so with we are kicking into talk to in our You Were Made For This series where we're looking at these biggest questions that people have in life. Who am I and why am I here? Identity and purpose. And, and last time we, we kicked off thinking about this whole theme of identity. We talked about the fact that we all live by a story, like a life script. Uh, the things that we believe and our beliefs shape our behavior. And if we get hold of the wrong beliefs, that's going to have a wrong impact on our behavior. And so last week I shared as we, as we think about this whole theme of identity, I talked about what God says over us and that we are intentionally created, we are deeply known, we are unconditionally loved, we are joyfully adopted, and we are purposefully planned. And when you embrace who you are, or more importantly, whose you are, then you can really start to discover why you are here. And so in these next two weeks, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the question of purpose. What is my God-given purpose in the light of my God-given identity? And I want you to begin by coming with me 13 years ago. It's October uh, 2008. Uh, We're running a Friday night youth group uh, here in Zio Center. And on that particular evening, we were talking about the future with the young people. There were about 40 or so young people gathered. Most of them weren't from our church. And we were doing this whole themed evening around the future. And we gave them this activity. We gave them each a, a pencil and a piece of A4 paper. And we said to them, for the next few minutes, draw a picture or put some words down to describe what you think your life will look like when you're 30 years old. And so we put some music on in the background and, and you look around the room and there are all these young people uh, putting their picture of the future down. And then we asked any that wanted to, if they wanted to hold up their picture and tell the rest of the group uh, what they thought that future looked like. And I remember as the, we went around the room, most of those young people had some positive aspirations. But then we got to a young girl. She's about 14 years old. I'm going to call her Sarah. And Sarah lifted up her A4 sheet and she looked around the room and she said, this is me when I'm 30 years old. I am trailer trash living in a trailer park. And the room just went silent and and she wasn't joking. She wasn't mucking around because like we got to know her over recent months and, and, and we knew that actually life was pretty tough at home and in school. On one level, you might say that Sarah had amazing, amazing leadership potential. She was highly influential in any room, but just not always in a good way. Like things were tough. And when I heard this 13, 14-year-old girl say this, I was just like, how does anyone get to a place where they feel powerless, where they feel that, that the future has already been set, that they already know it's going to be failure and disappointment and boredom? Like If you aim low, then you'll never be disappointed. And I remember at the end of that evening uh, going up to her and saying to her, Sarah, I never want to hear you say that again. Like, we love you. We think you're awesome. We believe in a God who created you and thinks you're awesome. And I remember 18 months later being in Tijuana, Mexico, with 25 young people from this church, building a house with a family out there to give them a, a better house for them to enjoy and engage with. And I remember being on the roof on the final day with Sarah, and saying to her, You see, Sarah, when you dare to say yes to God and invite Him into your life, anything is possible. Like she would never imagine that she could end up one day building a, ham, a house for a vulnerable family. Because that is the great adventure of following Jesus, because He changes the script and we realize the purpose that we can embrace. I, I, I wanna ask you today do you feel powerless? when it comes to your purpose? Or actually, dare you be empowered by God to embrace the purpose he's given you? Like, whatever you think about yourself, whatever destructive, damaging lies have soaked into your soul, whatever lids people have put in you, I want to say to you today that God has a different story for you. A better truth that the God who created you, who knows you, who loves you, who adopts you has a stunningly fulfilling purpose for your life. You're here for a reason. And if we're going to discover what that reason is, then the first good question to ask is, well, what have I been given? What's actually been put into my life? If I'm not powerless, then what authority do I have to make a difference in the world, regardless of what's going on around me? In his book, Strong and Weak, author Andy Crouch defines authority as our capacity for meaningful action. He says, when you have authority, what you do or do not do makes a meaningful difference in the world. And that's what we're all looking for, friends, aren't we? We want to know our life counts for something, that our lives are significant, that we can make a meaningful difference in the world. And to make a meaningful difference means that you have authority, that you are not powerless, but actually you are powerful, and that you can make your mark on the world. This world needs you. And the story in the Bible tells us that we have three Uh, types of authority that God has given us. Three types. We have an authority from creation for creation. We have an authority through our unique gifting and we have an authority in the family of God. Let me just unpack those uh, for a moment or so. Firstly, we have authority from creation for creation. Right in the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 to 28, we read these words. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Now notice in verse 28, it says that God created humanity to reign. It's the Hebrew word rada and it's sometimes translated rule or, or have dominion or to have authority. And it's not an authority to oppress people or suppress people. It's not an authority to misuse and abuse. Verse 28 tells us that the authority that we've given, this, this rule and reign we've given, been given, is to see the whole of creation flourish. To see the beautiful, fruitful, good work of God multiply to the very ends of the earth. And whilst you and I all know that if we look around the world today, we have not done so well in saying yes to that responsibility, God has still not removed that responsibility or authority from us. Like whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you are battling with right now, you have been invited by God into his creation flourishing project. That you can see your home flourish, your garden flourish, your neighbourhood flourish, your finances flourish, your workplace flourish, the landscapes around you, the seas flourish. Whatever you see before you, wherever you've been planted, you have authority to multiply the goodness and beauty and kindness and prosperity of God into the world. So you can pick up litter. You can recycle. You can look out for your neighbor, neighbor, you can bring your best self to your workplace or your college or school. You can take care of the things that have been entrusted to you. You can be quick to forgive and slow to get angry. You can fight against inequality and um, injustice and prejudice. You can be involved in positive, good, wonderful things because the fact that you exist, the fact that you're alive, says that God has given you authority to rule and reign in the world world and to see the goodness of heaven break out in the darkness of the earth you have authority from creation from the original creation story for creation but secondly we have authority through our unique gifting i don't know if you've ever heard that phrase uh, to be a jack of all trades and a master of none have you heard that well actually it's a misquote It's attributed to the the American president, Benjamin, Benjamin Franklin. And what Franklin actually said was this. He said, be a jack of all trades, but a master of one. Because Franklin was saying, it's great to have a wide range of skills that you can apply to a wide range of situations. But actually, you can't be great at everything, but you can be really great at a few things. You see, there's a popular myth today that sounds so cool and sounds so encouraging that says you can be anything you want to be. I'm sorry to burst that bubble, but it's not true. You cannot be everything you want to be. And, and, and if, if you're in any doubt about that, then just tune in to any uh, Saturday night talent show like Britain's Got Talent, The X Factor. You, you list them off where you see people and God bless them. They simply cannot sing. They just can't do it. It's not in. They can't sing. They can't dance. In terms of the gifts that they've been given, that is not their gifting. They can improve. They can get better. But the truth is that will never be their thing. You cannot be and do everything, but you really can be and do something that God has put in you to do and bring that as your amazing contribution to the world. You know, the Apostle Paul Uh, writes to a church in Rome, and he says this in Romans 12, verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And what Paul is saying, that in in his kindness, that God has put in every single person, you watching right now, the ability to do things well, the capacity to do things well. Every single one of us are gifted. Every single one of us are talented. Like I remember when my boys were growing up, like in the schools they went to, they had this gifted and talented program. And, and if you are if you seen to be gifted and talented, then, then you could be put on the gifted and talented program. But I want to say everyone is gifted and talented. Everyone has gifts that they can use and make their mark on the world. And that's the second type of authority we have. Because when we recognize someone is gifted or talented or has great experience or expertise, then what do we say? We say that that person is an authority on a certain thing. Like literally just this week, my friend Stuart, he recently moved into a fixer-upper house. And, uh, and he was telling me this week that there was a bit of a major flood uh, that happened and water going everywhere in the house. And I said to him, I said, Stu, I'm your friend. Why didn't you call me? Why didn't you ask me to help you? And he looked at me and said nothing. His look said it all. His look basically said, Matt, let's face it, you and I both know you are a DIY disaster area. I mean, Stu, when he used to live next door to me, he he watched me week after week for two months just trying to repair some rotten, rotten wood on a windowsill. Like, he knows I am not an authority when it comes to DIY, so he called someone who is. So, listen, I've had to come to terms with the fact that I can't do everything well. I mean, I can learn, I can improve, but there are just things that I don't have a natural aptitude for. And the problem is, friends, that we can be so fixated on the gifts and talents that we don't have that we miss the opportunity to identify and grow in the gifts and talents that we do have, and we miss our unique contribution to the world. Of course, by the way, there is an opposite myth of I can do everything. There's another myth that people say when it comes to gifts and talents. I can do nothing. I'm, I'm good at, not good at anything. And that is a lie too. And, and, if, and if you're listening to this today and you're saying, Oh, well, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm literally I'm not good at anything. Then, then can I lovingly, as a pastor, can I lovingly slap you and say, That is a lie. Because to say that you have no gifts and no talents is to say that God made a mistake with you. And God doesn't make mistakes when, he comes to pe- when it comes to people. Every one of us are gifted and talented. And if you're not sure, by the way, what those gifts and talents are, if you're not sure what the authority you've been given, think about the stuff that you just love to do. The things that bring you life. It was the early church father, Iranius who once said, the glory of God is man fully alive. What Arrhenius was saying is when you feel fully alive, when you're doing something, you think, oh, I love to do this. This brings me great joy. I'd I'd do it even if I wasn't paid for it. Then you found the thing that God has put in you. And when you do it, when you do the the gifts and the skills, when you apply them, then, then you make God look good. Here's something I've discovered that sometimes false humility restricts ability. False humility restricts ability. If I deny the gifts that God has given me, then I'm denying the good work of God in my life and I'm putting a lid on my ability to make a difference in the world. We have an authority through the gifts and skills that God's put in us. So what do we do? Three things very quickly on this. Firstly, I need to own my gifts and talents with appreciation. I I, I want to recognize, God, you have given me some gifts, and, and I didn't deserve them, but I'm grateful. I'm so thankful. I mean, I I love doing this. I love communicating, whether uh, speaking like this or writing. I love communicating. And I had to get to this place of false humility, uh, uh, escaping from false humility, and basically saying, God, I recognize that you've put that gift in me. And I'm grateful and I'm thankful that you can use me through the gift of communication. I want to own my gifts with appreciation so that even if someone came up to me and said, Oh, that was a great preach, I can just simply say thank you without being falsely humble. And then when I turn my back, I can look to heaven and go, thank you, God, because you've put this in me. Own my gifts with appreciation and then use them with application. I don't just want to own my gifts. I want to apply them. I don't want to waste what God has put in me. Like In the 1920s, there was this American athlete, um, Olympic athlete, uh, Eric Liddell, And he felt the call of God to become a missionary in China. And and he had a conversation with his sister, Jenny. And she was so pleased to hear this because he was a runner. And she was so worried that his running would get uh, in the way of what he was doing for God as a missionary in China. And he famously replied to his sister. He said, Jenny, you've got to understand that I believe that God made me for a purpose, that God did make me for China. But he also made me fast and when I run I feel his pleasure to give up running would be to hold god in contempt you were run it's not you are right it's not just fun for to win is to honor him Don't just own your gifts. Use them. Apply them because everything matters to God. If you can dance, then dance for the glory of God. If you can cook, then cook for the glory of God. If you can project manage, then project manage for the glory of God. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything matters to God. Own your gifts with appreciation, use your gifts through application, and then thirdly, grow them through cultivation. You know, the goal of my life when it comes to my gifts is not to be better than anyone else. Comparison cripples us. The goal of my life is to keep growing myself, to become the best person I can be, that I embrace what it means if Jesus was living my life, how would he live it and how can I live my life like that? Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.6, Fan into flame the gift of God. Develop your gifts, cultivate them, grow them, because the more you grow the gifts and talents, the more authority you'll have. And the more authority you'll have, the more you can make a difference in the world. Like so for me, with my speaking gift... Like, I I practice a lot. I've I've kind of preached this sermon three times already this week to practice for this moment. Um, I, I, I write things down. I read. I listen to other speakers. I share my message with other communicators, and I ask them to communicate it. I ask them to critique it, rather. I attend training conferences. Like, I'm always thinking, how can I take this gift that God's given me and grow it and develop it so that it can make a bigger impact for God's kingdom? What authority have you been given? You've been given authority from creation for creation. You've been given authority through your unique gifts to make your unique mark on the world. And finally, authority in the family of God. You see, friends, when when we invite Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our lives, then essentially, as I uh, mentioned last time, we are saying yes to the wonderful invitation that God invites us to be adopted into his family, that God becomes our perfect heavenly father, Jesus, our amazing elder brother, the Holy Spirit, our constant uh, companion, comforter, enabler, empowerer, and we become brothers and sisters in Christ. And, And our adoption into God's family means that then we have a new authority that we never had before that simply comes from being a child of God. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Galatians 4, verse 7. He writes to the Christians in the city of Galatia, and he says, You are God's own child, and since you are his child, God has made you his heir. You have an inheritance that is just as much your entitlement as it was to Jesus, because you are a son and daughter of God." Which is mind-blowing when you think about it, that the same authority that Jesus has and had 2,000 years ago when he walked on the earth, that same authority is available to you as a child of God. Like throughout the New Testament, there's this Greek word for authority, exousia, and it's mostly translated authority, sometimes it's translated power. In Matthew chapter 5 and 7, we get this most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, that, where he unpacks how to do life God's way, God's best way. And right at the end of chapter 7, we read these words. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings, for he taught with real authority, exousia quite unlike the teachers of religious law. It's like the crowds were in awe because there was this power, this authority, this weightiness, this impact, this wow, that that when they heard the words of Jesus, that is the exousia that Jesus has, and he gives it to you to have that kind of impact. And not just through what he said, but what he does. He has authority to forgive, to heal, to miraculously provide, to calm stormy seas, to get rid of demonic activity. He's got authority to raise people from the dead. And and in uh, Matthew chapter 9, the first few verses, we, we get this... Um, we get this uh, little uh, story of Jesus healing a paralyzed man. And right at the end uh, of the story in verse 8 of Matthew chapter 9, it says this, When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man, such exousia. They looked at what Jesus was doing supernaturally, and they said, like, we've never seen an authority like this. And then in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, we read this, Jesus called his disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease. Jesus, the authority he has for the supernatural and the miraculous, he imparts to his disciples, to his followers, to his family, and that includes you. That includes you. Jesus imparts his authority from heaven. It's available to every single one of us as a child of God. It enables us to fulfill that creation mandate not just in our own strength but in the authority and power that God 's given us that that, that that authority can then amplify and accelerate and accelerate our natural uh, human gifts that we have. so you have the gift of leadership when the Holy Spirit touches it, it can go even further we 've got the, 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 the gift of managing and organizing. When, when the Holy Spirit touches it, it can go even further. There's a supernatural authority that's available to you. You are not powerless. You are not powerless. And so as we think about this question, what is my purpose? Why am I here? The first thing we, we need to look at is, what have I been given? Like What's in my hand? What's in my life? And I want to remind you, you have been given authority. Authority to care for the whole of creation. Authority through owning and using and cultivating your own unique gifts. Authority through the power of the Holy Spirit at work through your life as a child of God. It's time for us to accept it, use it, apply it for our good, for the good of the world, and for the very, very glory of God. Let's take some time, shall we, to pray about this, to think about this, this important subject like how do you respond to this today like how are you reflecting on what i am saying like how are you impacted how easy is it to to admit that yeah you are gifted you've got gifts and abilities that god has put into your life i want to take some time to pray for us and two prayers the first prayer i want to pray is if you have never invited jesus to be the lord and savior of your life jesus loves you He lived, he died, he rose again to deal with on the cross everything that gets in the way. So I just want to pray a prayer. And the prayer simply goes like this. Lord Jesus, I am sorry that I've been trying to be the leader of my own life. I'm sorry that I've said and done and thought things that have hurt me and helped other people. Please forgive me. Thank you that you loved me so much that you died on a cross and you rose again and you dealt with everything that gets in the way of me having life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me live every day the life that you created me to live, free and whole, discovering my true identity as a beloved child of God and my true purpose to partner with God to care for the whole of creation. Every man, woman and child everything in creation. If you've prayed that prayer, if if there's something in you that's saying an amen to that, I'd love to hear from you. If you go to zeochurch.com forward slash connect, just just drop a message through there so that in the next day, I can come back to you and follow up with you and just uh, provide ways of supporting you. But I want to pray a second prayer. Maybe you are listening to this, watching this right now, and you have put yourself in a box marked good for nothing. Maybe you think, I just don't know what gifts and abilities I have. And I want to just pray that you would experience freedom from lids. Freedom from lies. Lies that have been spoken over you, that have put a lid on your life. And that God would open up the possible, open up opportunities and would show you the good work that he started in you. What he's given you, authority to make a difference in the world. And so why don't you just, if you feel okay, to just close your eyes just for a second. If it helps just to empty your hands and just rest them on your lap where you are. God made you and he did not make a mistake. What this world needs is for you to step up and take your place. The sound of your life being heard. And so as I look at you right now, I take authority from heaven over everything that's held you back. Over every lie you've been told. Every lid that's put it been put over you. And I break it in the name of Jesus. And I pray that God would come and he would remind you that you're not just loved. But he has a great life for you. That even now the Holy Spirit would just be showing you the things that you love to do. The things that you are good at. The things that you're growing in. However old you are. And that you would have that sense of gratitude. You know what? There are some things in me. There are some things in you. Holy Spirit, come and heal from disappointments. Holy Spirit, come now and heal from failure. And would you come now, Lord, I pray, and lift up heads that are looking down. For those people who feel they've been missed and ignored. May the Holy Spirit come and rest on you now and know you matter to God and you matter to the world. Embrace your God-given identity and your God-given purpose today. In Jesus' name. Amen.